0: Welcome to Definitely Not a Waste of Your Time. I'm your host, Harper Walker-Lee. Hey, everyone. What's up? Welcome back, or if you're new here. Welcome, for the very first time, to my podcast. I'm super excited today because I got microphones. I didn't get one of those, like, super big radio show like microphone things, you know what I'm talking about. Like those super big ones that are like a hundred dollars or something. But I got like these little interview ones that people use to interview people. You like clip it onto your shirt. So I have that clipped onto me right now. What this also means is that now I can have guests on my show because it came with like a pack of two and it like has a little Y connector. So I can interview people, which would be super crazy. And I know I've talked to a lot of people and they really want to be interviewed and they really want to talk on the show. Um, And I do think that provides like a really cool and unique perspective um, on certain topics because it's like more of a conversation rather than me just blabbing away over here. The last episode, I got a ton of feedback. And a ton of support and like a large number of unexpected listeners. I'm, I'm so sorry for the length of the last episode because in all honesty, I, just in general, I didn't think anyone would listen to this podcast. So when I started receiving constructive criticism, I was like, whoa, 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 guys, like I can do better. Like, so I, I wrote a ton out for this episode and I did a lot of research and I'm super excited because I'm really passionate about this topic Um, But thank you for the listens on the last episode. I even got this thing listening in three different countries, which is kind of crazy. I know it's um, the US, South Africa and Mexico. But That was just super cool. And so I'm really sorry that it was super long because I mean, me personally, I really like long podcasts. But it probably didn't have to be that long this one is structured a lot better and i kind of just wanted to get my grips if i'm being honest like i did a basic topic i just wanted to get a good start you know what i mean but this one's going to be more detailed more intellectually challenging than acne you know most things are more intellectually challenging than acne but yeah so Today we are going to be discussing the psychological toxicity around productivity culture with a little bit of an emphasis on women and kind of the forced productivity that has seeped into daily life because it's always been in the workplace, but right now um, it really feels like it has a lot of pressure on daily life and especially for women um, have been like kind of the targets of this. And also I have a job, I've had jobs in the past, but I've never, you know, because I've been in high school, I don't have a lot of experience in corporate America. So I can't really talk about the culture in corporate America, in the workplace, just because again, like I haven't really lived that. But it, it has been so prevalent in daily life in a negative way, um, just being overly productive and popularizing that. And so I really want to talk about it because it definitely has gotten to me. I've been a victim of it, I will say. Um, And so I wanted to talk about it because productivity always seems like a good thing. But in this case, it's starting to kind of cross the line into becoming obsessive and controlling over people's lives and what they do with it and how they go about their daily choices. Um, this will also be like a critical lens of this concept, but I also do want to talk about the positives as well, because that is the key to a well-rounded argument. Um, and I also feel like when structuring my podcast, I kind of in the past set aside a section to like discuss how the topic affects me personally. But I think the most effective way to address that aspect of a topic, that element of a topic is just to weave my opinions and anecdotes throughout the podcast, because it's just going to flow better. You know what I mean? So that's just a little something that I plan on changing or, you know, I did change when I structured my notes for this one. Um, I have really good notes for this for this episode. So that means it's going to be more well thought out and easier to follow. (laughs) So I tried my best to make it easy to follow on the last one. But who knows if that really occurred? I did do a lot of notes, but still. Well, let's get right into it. So first of all, what is toxic productivity culture? Which is kind of a word I'm going to be using a lot. Um, especially the word toxic. <laughs> That's all throughout my notes, but just get used to it. And by the way, before I start this section, a lot of this is from the wellness and medium, which are both like websites and blogs online that you can look up. That is where I've based my um, evidence on and they are really good resources for stuff like this and we're super specific to what I want to be talking about today because it is a pretty specific topic, especially like ignoring the workplace aspect somewhat and kind of focusing on women and especially present day with social media. It's a very specific topic, but it's a pretty big one and it's pretty important. So, recently over the past year, there's been a lot of like pop culture and social media focus on promoting the idea of being quote unquote that girl, the it girl, the organized girl, you know, you know it all. Um, and basically, that girl wakes up at 5 a.m., she drinks matcha, goes to Pilates, wears matching workout sets, has a full skincare routine, an organized room, journals, etc. You know, usually all in one day this kind of stuff occurs. And it's kind of been used to motivate people to make small changes in their routine to see large impacts on their self-fulfillment and their quote-unquote productivity. So a lot of the videos that you see are like, this is your sign to start journaling every day. This is your sign to wear a matching outfit because it'll make you more motivated to work out. Usually it has some sort of reason, like it will motivate you more. Like if you wake up at 5 a.m., like I don't, I actually don't know what the 5 (laughs) a.m. Like argues, honestly, wake up at 5 a.m. and you'll be more tired. Like, no, but that's kind of what it really is. But I guess like 5 a.m., you start your day, you get on top of things quicker. And so this was popularized relatively recently. Obviously, a lot of people argue that with the rise of social media, um productivity has like this this productivity trend has kind of started but I really see it in the last year or so and this has occurred through TikTok and YouTube and a lot of people will post like their daily routines what they do in a day organizing stuff you know that kind of thing and so a lot of people argue that this trend is mostly contributed to by skinny rich white 20-something's women but I think be, while that is a majority, a very large majority of this trend and the people who are contributing to it, I do think that I've seen all kinds of women and people in general feed into the trend as well. You know, I could even argue that some men will push this lifestyle too with being like a gym bro or like the 75 hard challenge. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but i'm not really sure about all the details but i know it's like for 75 days you follow like a strict diet no social media wake up at 5am no caffeine like it's it's not even like just diet and exercise it's yeah it's like two exercise routines a day but it's not just diet and exercise it's also like social stuff like no drinking or something i don't know if that's in it but stuff like that like no social media um, spend time with family, you know, like it's, um, it tries to address like all aspects of your life. And it's like called the 75 hard challenge, but I've seen a lot of men do it. And, you know, a lot of people participate in the 75 hard challenge. Obviously I've seen a lot of women do it too. Um, but it's really common with like the straight alpha men, you know, who are like in the gym and definitely like, the concept of being that girl is very dominated by skinny, rich, white, 20-somethings women. I usually don't see it with like teenagers as much. I mean, obviously it has impacted me, but, um, but I don't really see teenagers creating content to promote the idea. Maybe they're influenced by it, but I don't really see it as much. It usually feels like it's young, white women um who are like you know in their 20s and stuff like that and i see it all over youtube and i think like if i'm being honest everyone's social media or for the most part like the thing about social media that gets to me is the fact that the stuff i see is like an older age group same thing with my sister who is a sophomore in high school like she will see stuff well i don't know but like you know she has all these ideas of what of these things she wants to do like she wants to go to all these concerts and travel the world and it just feels like and and me too like i'll see stuff on my for you page and i'll be like wow like why don't i get to go out to all these clubs in europe and whatnot and i'm and i think about it and i'm like the people in in my videos that are in my algorithm are so much older than me first of all they can legally drink Second of all, they can legally like rent a car and like travel the world. And maybe they're not in college or whatnot, and they can make their own adult decisions. I'm still 17, so I can't do these things. So it makes me get like this FOMO. But if you think about it, and same thing with my sister, like she wants to do all these things, but she can't drive. She's 15. Like, and so it makes you feel really left out and have FOMO. But to be honest, you have to take a step back and realize. These people are so much older than me, and so every time I get like a little stressed out, I'll be like, "Damn, I wish I was in the clubs in in Italy with the girlies right now." But it, I just, I just can't, and I need to accept that and live in my own uh, limits of my age. You know what I mean? So that's kind of the a, another part of this. But basically. So specifically, the, that girl trend uses the word girl, right? But like I said, it's kind of carried out by full-on women just due to the like inherent mature nature of the lifestyle. So like Pilates is kind of like an old, you know, like get your work done. Like what kind of work does a teenager have? Like schoolwork, but it just, it has a different connotation. You know what I mean? So here is a little bit of a history lesson. I got this from the History Channel and this other website, Fast Company. And so now I said earlier that this episode doesn't really discuss the very, very, very present toxic productivity culture of working in corporate America and our capitalist society in general. But I do kind of want to go back and trace the roots of this trend as much as possible. So I think that means that we need to go back and look at the second industrial revolution. Um, The first industrial revolution was very agriculture-based and it did have a huge impact. And I don't know if anyone knows like the enclosure movement and it was mostly in England and then that stuff kind of directly went to the colonists. But I really want to look at the second industrial revolution, which is like when uh, the assembly line Ford's assembly line came out, you know, the airplane, the cotton, cotton mill kind of thing, um, steam engine, uh, those kind of things. But that's basically, if you don't know, that's the difference between the first and second industrial revolution. Um, And the first one again is important, but the second one really is kind of like the start of, well, Slavery was a big like beginning of capitalism in the US, but I do think like the second industrial revolution demonstrates how capable of controlling the entire country capitalism really is. So it literally, in this sense, it literally created the concept of productivity in a really mainstream way. Which is through like working, making an income. But the basic premise of industrializing and advancing technology is making more efficient and therefore productive. And that's kind of what the second industrial revolution was all about, right? It was creating this assembly line so that it wasn't just artisans building individual things. So that's how we get the start of productivity. And so we saw how dangerous this unregulated, very capitalist economy was because all these things like was such exponential growth for the u.s because of all the new inventions coming out and things just like doubled in in supply because this was such exponential growth because they weren't used to having such a big boom uh it was very unregulated The, the gilded age and the eventual rise in uh, guilds, which are so- social welfare organizations, to explains how it kind of led to today's aggressive productivity trends. Um, because if you don't know the Gilded Age and all this stuff was kind of the rise in people fighting back against like 20 hour days, child labor, um, unsafe working conditions. If you know the Triangle Shirtwaist factory incident, basically where a factory burned down with a ton of women working inside and that was because there there were no laws in terms of like how your windows needed to open and how there need to be a fire escape from tall buildings basically it demonstrated how um, the entrepreneurs of the late ni- or the late 1800s they were so unregulated because they were able to produce so much but people were dying and unhappy so that's literally just like the rawest form of productivity because it's extremely productive but there's virtually no happiness for the, for these people contributing to the productivity of these companies and industries so in addition to that um here's this direct quote i got from fast company which i thought was really interesting and i wanted to include it Basically, they said the concept of laziness is a social construct to justify political, social, and economic order. So we can kind of see that trend start to build because the idea of laziness is not really, doesn't have a very organic origin. And it kind of is used to just trick people, you know, using an insult to trick people into um, producing more and you know, staying in their workplace lane. <laughs> you know what I mean? Later on, the 50s were also a very significant time for technology and the increased development of it. And we saw this especially in the home and for women this time. Things like blenders and refrigerators were introduced to the house And they kind of motivated women to become the perfect housewife now that they had all this new free time with the new devices that they had. You know what I mean? They didn't have to churn things by hand. They didn't have to go get ice for the ice shed. You know what I mean? They were able to just have these new items and therefore they had more time to uh, pack more into their day, which because which because of this, even though the 50s were so long ago, we can really see direct connection starting now to the that girl trend, you know what I mean? And so the primary focus for me in the advancement of technology, you know, from the second industrial revolution and the 50s, is that over time, things like cars, dishwashers, large-scale commercial food processing made it possible for us to cram so much into our days and create a perfectly crafted productive day in my life which is like the title of the videos you might see that follow under this trend so it it has an extremely direct relationship right in addition the neglection of personal happiness in return for long hours and a wage forced american society to attempt to be perfect and kind of reject mental Cues in order to be productive, you know, in order to fulfill my day, and in, in order to earn this much money, people set aside their personal happiness and made the number of hours and the wage they were getting more important. So even though the the Second Industrial Revolution and the fifties were a big time for um, people working in corporate America, it still had an impact on not only people's work environments today, but also people's lifestyles today, which is a really big thing. So now I want to talk about the pros. And while I kind of hate when people say, Oh, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I am going to in this discussion, because you know, those people who would just be like, "Oh, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm like, No, you're kind of being annoying. (laughs) And you're being extra. But I, I do think it is important. And so personally i have let this trend impact me but i have also kind of been a person that's always been doing things from dawn to dusk and it just got worse when i got my license but also when this trend came into popularity so you know i always am picking up new hobbies and uh, new sports and i'm always trying to exercise almost every day and doing my work and making money and saving time for friends and boyfriend and family um that's who i am and that's how who I've always been. It's just this to kind of fueled that fire. So while it never got the best of me, the idea of being productive and even being like straight up perfect in terms of how I balance things, it is constantly in the back of my mind. And that has definitely taken a negative toll on me. I mean, that I am supposed to be talking about the positives right now. But I figured I think this is important to bring up at this moment so but I I honestly think in a way like the popularization of these little changes like journaling kind of inspired me to try more things even though like I'm always trying new things but um, it, it, it just again made that even more prevalent in my mind and I think I honestly I think that's a good thing to like, kind of push people to try new things and step outside their comfort zone. Um, just as long as people aren't too hard on themselves. If it doesn't work out for you and you simply don't have enough time, so you know, I like the journaling thing. I bought a journal on Amazon because I was like, you know what? I well, I think I was also really stressed, um, and so I that was also part of it. Is I was like, what should I do to channel this stress? And I bought a journal and I started journaling in it. And I think it was my junior year. And I really, I did not have time to be writing in a journal. I was stressed the fuck out (laughs) with school and I just kind of stopped doing it. I only did it for like a couple months. And even then it was like every now and then, but I was never, obviously I was kind of like, damn, I bought this journal for nothing, but I was never too hard on myself. And I think that is what the key is. Not that I, you know, am all knowing about how to manage like self acceptance when pushing yourself to be productive. Like, I'm no master at that. I probably am the opposite. But I did kind of just let myself, you know, say, it's okay if you're not journaling every morning at 6 a.m. Like, it's okay if you have time to do it. That's cool, that's great. But telling yourself that you need to be doing something because a trend is telling you to do it is not how you should go about this. But, you know, trying new things is always a good thing. And, um, and it kind of makes you open-minded to new things and like just in general, you know, in life. And when you go somewhere, you'll be more open to trying the food and the way that they live there. So I do think it's a good lesson to learn. So like meditating, eating healthy foods, journaling, drinking matcha, these are all scientifically good for you. But so as long as you're not forcing it, and these things exist when you have enough time for it. I mean, not not exactly enough time, because see, that's where it gets to me is like, if I have a second to spare, I'm going to fill it up with something. And honestly, that's not very healthy. Um, so generous time to spare is what I'm trying to say here. Because like, you know, if I tell myself, oh, you have a, a half an hour, you should do a workout, you should go for a walk, like, you know, you should read a book. Like, it's just generous time because you don't want to be like packing in your day if you have like a second to spare. You know what I mean? Even like getting off your phone and getting off social media or limiting social media and phone usage is also very beneficial for your mental health and well-being. Um, so I do think that's a good element of this trend, even the 75 hard challenge, like the idea of limiting social media use, or I don't know if it's like limiting or if you're not supposed to use it at all. But I, I think that's, a, that's a good thing. You know, um, even though like the TikToks about it totally contradict it because it's like, you're filming a TikTok, you're trying to get views, like, I mean yeah you gotta think too like a lot of it is the views element of it so like you will see results if you do this like that's gonna get them views you know what i mean i mean as long as i think people are getting better about like not being so influenced by when it says like this will happen people are you know starting to push back nowadays i feel like more uh that's just what i've noticed but um so overall the that girl trend has a few pros to it but it's also in moderation. So now I'm going to get into the cons and a lot of my information that I got in this part is from the wellness. So let's get into it. Usually I try to find the good in everything but (laughs) this trend in all honesty has been kind of hard to do with that. So I mean earlier like I just discussed the pros but like for the most part, it wasn't a hundred percent positive. While I do feel like I approach wellness trends like the "that girl" trend, with the opinion that there could be worse things to be trending, because a lot of the time that's true. Like you know, alcoholism or hate speech. Like that would not be good if that was trending. Um, so on, it's like, it's like what? Which ones were like? Pick or choose your poison. Um but I genuinely do think this one not to compare wellness <laughs> to um alcoholism or hate speech those were just my examples um but I genuinely do think that this one does do more harm than good um there are aspects of it I will be honest things like the hot girl walks the name is a little bit interesting because I feel like it implies like hot girl is in walk to lose weight and that will make you hot but so it does have some interesting origins and ulterior motives and if you're not familiar with the hot girl walks that's kind of like i don't know like you put on a cute outfit and you put on a podcast or you go listen to music and you just go and walk i genuinely think that that's good and um you know let's be honest encouraging people to move their bodies in a very easy way That's what I like about that. The hot girl walks is that, like, it's like you don't need to be busting your ass in the gym if you don't genuinely enjoy it. Like, just go for an easy walk. And I think stuff like that is really good for our society, you know, finding easy ways to get good exercise in and clear your mind and make you feel better. There are certain aspects of this trend that, you know, it's like there could be worse things than making people go on walks, you know what I mean? So, but I do, I, I think this trend is really interesting because while it has a lot of similarities with the toxic productivity culture of corporate America, it also kind of contradicts it because it seems like these women who lead these trends don't really ever work. Because like who has time for a nine to five Pilates, healthy homemade recipes, journaling, walking, And, like, not to mention a possible social life. Because, like, if you think about it, whenever you see those videos, like, you never see these people with their friends. And so, you know what I mean? Like, but how do they fit all this stuff in and work a job? Like, so it makes me wonder, like, how does this trend function in our capitalist society if it's not possible for those who do work? But it also doesn't really in terms of like number of hours worked, doesn't contribute anything to GDP or the labor force. And so I thought about it. But the answer to this question is the consumption it generates. So we already discussed how the advancement of technology led to a very fast paced life, allowing us to strive for and even achieve, you know, the end all be all productivity. (laughs) Um, But in today's world, it's the promotion of Amazon and Target products that fuel our ability to do this trend and therefore that fuels the economy as well. That's kind of like the simple answer to it. And so because this is a lifestyle that relies on external things as a measure of success, not the idea of feeling successful, healthy, and energized internally, it's It relies on people to be buying matching workout sets and cute coffee cups because that it's telling them that if they buy those things, that is how they will achieve this lifestyle and the success that is surrounded by this lifestyle and the praise that people give it. But you know, it's really hard for people not only who are working and don't have time but also people who simply can't afford to get the five minute journal, which is $30. And I know that because I looked it up because I was like influenced by this so badly that I looked up the five minute journal and thank God I justified. I was like, well, I didn't justify. I justified not getting it. And I was like, this is stupid. $30 for like prompts that are like, how are you feeling today? You know what I mean? Or like avocados for your toast or matching workout sets. So it kind of, because of this, because it relies on these materialistic standards, it totally distorts the concept of health, making it seem like obsessing over organization and getting up super early is the epitome of the very broad concept of health and well-being. Here's another quote from Fast Company that I really wanted to include. By trying to optimize every moment of our day and squeeze out every bit of productivity we can, we've ended up with the largest mental health epidemic ever recorded and i think that quote is pretty darn impactful if you ask me so i mean in addition like social media also neglects to reveal the full picture of these lives especially mothers because i don't know if you guys have seen there's this one mom on tiktok good for her honestly but she makes these like day in the life videos and this woman she has a I don't, I think she, maybe she has two kids. She, I mean, she has kids at least. I'm not sure if it's like one or two, that, cause that kind of makes a big difference if you think about it. Um, anyway, she does more than me and I don't have any kids. And she has like, these productive day in the life videos, being a mother and like also being productive. She makes it seem so easy and I'm just like fascinated by it. But I, I'm telling you right now, like we're probably not seeing the full picture of her life. And I also said earlier, in the way people ignore accepting that sometimes they're not going to always be productive every day, this leads to like a super unattainable perfection and comparison that just damages all the viewer's self-esteem. And lifestyle doesn't really ever address having a healthy social life because a lot of the time you see people like protecting their peace and prioritizing themselves and sometimes I don't know if it's just me but it looks like they just block out all their ability to be social in order to achieve this desired productivity, you know what I mean? But having a healthy social life is super critical to living a long and fulfilling life. If, you know, if you need evidence for that, look at the blue zones. Um if you don't know what that is, it's like these areas of the world where people live the longest. And one of the key elements of being a blue zone is having a community and having a social life that literally directly translates to a lower suicide rate and living long. So it's like, how does this lifestyle promote health and wellness when like that is a super big part of life and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't address any of that, having a social life. And so I feel like that aspect alone has created some really visible consequences for people who already took this lifestyle to the extreme. Like what I'm saying here is a lot of people will, there was like one trend that was like, I protected my peace too much and now I have no friends and only hang out with my boyfriend. Like if you've seen those videos, you know what I'm talking about. It's just these people who, like the idea of protecting your peace kind of goes hand in hand with this trend. Um, basically just go to bed early, have your tea. I mean, it's great i love protecting my peace and i definitely like when i need to do it i do it because it just clears my brain and as long as you're also able to accept being alone and loneliness which is kind of hard for me and hard for a lot of people because you just get fomo and you get stressed out so it's hard to be calm when you have fomo so i mean as long as you're able to accept that which is hard that's a challenge. It's, it's good to protect your peace every now and then, you know, but a lot of people have, they've protected their peace too much. And in turn, that has caused them to miss out on social opportunities and therefore damage their relationships. Because we're already seeing like negative impacts from this trend. It's pretty obvious to me that it's got a lot of red flags because, you know, rest and recovery are just as important to your life as a steady routine is. And rest and recovery doesn't mean protecting your peace, but it also means rest and recovery from being productive and waking up at 5am and doing workouts. So I mean, having a routine is important too. But again, balance is key to everything. And I'm not the first person to say that. The whole balance is key idea is, is in everything. It's a good thing that people are promoting it now because it brings us back from the extremes. And I feel like this trend could lead to a fat extreme. Like my biggest example of going from one extreme to the next in like social trends is like if you think about it in the 50s, it was a really big trend to be in the beat movement, which was basically where you were like a rebel. And this is where like Elvis comes into play and because in the 30s and 40s, it was like everyone was kind of like a goody two shoes. You know, entering the new decade, people were over it. And the new trend was to be a rebel and, um, you know, not listen to your parents and wear edgy clothes, which at the time was like a popped collar and a leather jacket. And even like you could, I could say like the 90s was a time for like rebel culture, kind of like that with grunge music. and. Um, you know, and, and grungy outfits were like not just because obviously grunge and like emo stuff is always prevalent, but it just became more mainstream. It I feels like to me like nowadays because I I just went through the college admissions process and it felt like you could take I took fucking like I took five APs this year and it still like wasn't enough, especially compared to a lot of people. I hold my own, but like. I always thought I was pretty smart for doing that, but it felt like everyone in their mother was taking that many APs and doing this many extracurriculars, the same number as me, and the, or even more than me. Most of the time it was more like community service more than me. And it feels like nowadays, everyone has the smarts. Everyone is determined to get into a good school. Like it's not just a select few. And it's because like, colleges are demanding so much of people now. I feel like we're going to have a new shift to that rebel culture. You know, where like even that like studying in school and doing good in school is not cool. Cuz right now it feels like not that that's cool, but it feels like that's very socially accepted. And so because it's getting so intense, we're going to I have a feeling we're going to have a shift to where people are like, "You know what? Fuck the system. Like I'm not busting my ass to get into college because College demands so much nowadays in terms of uh, acceptances. You have to be like the most special person nationally ranked, you know, just in order to get a renowned education. But the easier to get into schools are just going to get better because the kids who weren't able to make it in the top, top schools are going to go to these schools that weren't as good. And it's just going to boost their ratings and bring down the pretentious hard to get into Ivy leagues and, um, you know, like Berkeley and UCLA, I would throw them Stanford. I would throw those in, um, in addition. So I kind of see that with this trend that's going to happen is like, it's very possible that people could turn around and be like, you know what? Fuck that. I'm going to do my own thing. Like the new trend is having fun and staying up all night with your friends you know, not getting any sleep, waking up at 10, and, uh, you know, not drinking matcha and drinking like a, a Starbucks coffee. But you know what I mean? Like, if we don't have like this middle ground, we're going to go to the next extreme, and then it's just going to bounce back, back and forth. So that's why I think it's good that people are Promoting the balance is key kind of thing in a lot of aspects of life and social media trends Because it's so important that we avoid that because productivity is good in theory You know, like when it doesn't take over your life, it is good because you know Working and having a job that's not just to make money That's to fulfill your self-worth and doing something you love. I mean, obviously Not everyone has the possibility to do something they love or, you know, I would love to just work at an animal shelter till the day I die, but I have to make money. (laughs) So you know what I mean? But for the most part, like your work is also who you are and what you love in a perfect world, or at least you should strive to get a fraction of that. Obviously, even doing something we love, we go through ebbs and flows, especially if we're not our own boss. (laughs) Um, And we're working for a larger corporation. It can definitely be hard to stay true to why you love that thing and why you like majored in it in the first place, or maybe you didn't major in it, but chose to apply to that job in the first place. So I think, I think that about covers the main aspects of the cons, but now I want to kind of talk about how the, that girl trend harms women in particular. And I'm only going to talk about this for a little bit just because I feel like all the nuances that I wanted to address, I kind of just talked about in the pros and cons, but this nuance is kind of its own category, but I am still gonna kind of keep it short and sweet. Well, originally, the That Girl Trend seemed to be empowering women to take control over their lives. It ended up just leading to what I feel like is more competition, comparison, pressure, and most importantly, capitalization, because of how big companies like Amazon and Target are using women's desires to take control over their over their lives. And so they're using this as a way to create more products that can, you know, like the Stanley Cup, Target created their own Stanley Cup. Why? Because it has idea attached to it that like drinking out of it, Drinking out of something with a straw is going to make you more hydrated more productive and more that girl, you know? And even like the, I don't know if you guys know, but the certain influencers have like an Amazon storefront. That's a big example of this because it's a direct way for Amazon to say, hey, uh, Melanie on TikTok, like I see you making these videos that are a perfect gateway for us to get more women to buy more stuff. And um And so they like have these influencers set up these amazon storefronts and so it's really just sneaky when you see how that works and also like if you think about it it's hard for women because because they're not necessarily respected for just existing in the workplace and in life so productivity acts as this void that systemically women have Just by working as much as men, they're not respected as much. You know what I mean? And so, you know, if you compare two women who work the same job and in a corporate man's world, if one just works normally, wakes up normally, drinks normal food, um, like normal as in not unhealthy and not healthy, like kind of in the middle. And then you have this other woman who wakes up at 5 a.m., always has her shit together, always dresses color coordinated, like wears an oversized blazer, is a badass, wears her hair up in a claw clip, never looks like she's phased by anything because she writes it all down in her journal. Like that woman is going to be chosen in a male society over the other one. Not in like a romantic sexual way because men are intimidated by strong women, but in terms of like, Hiring, income, social standing, that woman is going to inherently be higher because she has this void that the other woman doesn't have. And even though they're doing the same job and a, the same job a man might have, they need this extra cushioning because just by themselves, they're not going to be respected as much as men would. And therefore, they gain this uh, new standing over men. And that is something that. Women have wanted for years via equality, but that hasn't always gone to plan. And so when you think about it like that, it really has a big effect on women because they're they're vulnerable and they're in search of something that can make them have this equal standing to men. And it's kind of sad when you think about it. And especially in combination with the companies who just take advantage of it, it's like, why do women need to be so damn productive? (laughs) Like, again, like I said earlier, there's a trend for men to do some of this stuff too, but like, it's not, it doesn't have the same goals. It's more just like a self-esteem thing. And it also doesn't really address average men, like it addresses average and above average women. You know what I mean? Like it it just kind of addresses like guys who really don't have their shit together, telling them, hey, dude, get your act together. But for women, I feel like it addresses all women of the entire spectrum, which makes it just seem that like the standards for productivity are so much higher for women than they are for men. So that that was really interesting to me when I especially thought about it. And I even had people kind of consider me this super productive woman. And well, girl, and you know, like I had people t- tell me, "Oh, Harper, you're always so put together. You always have your shit together. You always are doing this, that, and the other." And like in reality, I was having moments behind the scenes that are kind of the exact opposite of what the that girl experiences. You know what I mean? Like especially the part that like I talked about earlier that I really struggle with not trying to achieve perfection. Because I am a perfectionist in all sorts of things like sports, that really gets to me. But it's hard in life to strive to be a perfectionist because you can't control life as easily as you can your ability to do a sport because you could just practice more, you know what I mean? I mean, that doesn't guarantee anything, it never does. But for the most part, you have a pretty good chance of seeing success when you put in the effort in a sport. But I you know, would always try I still do. I'm still impacted by it. I need to get over myself and I'm working on it. But, you know, trying to get my walks in every day or like trying to exercise every day, trying to get outside every day, trying to eat healthy, trying to get up at a decent hour, you know, not going to bed too late. And what really got to me was like the social balance of doing all these things, because in my mind, these things were a priority to me. But I also felt like I had to balance my friends, boyfriend, and family. And that balance is extremely hard to get perfect. And no one really ever gets it perfect. And that, the idea of balance has always gotten to me. And that is not very that girl. (laughs) That is, you know, an underlying struggle that I didn't really translate that onto people because I was hiding it. And so that's, you know, that's something that like, people don't really see what always goes on underneath. They always see what's on the outside. So a lot of the times if you see that girl, she's probably not doing very well or not doing very well, but like, you know, maybe she does have things balanced out, but it took so much mental capacity to figure out how to balance that, that like, did it really make it worth it? Who the fuck knows? And so I would also like to talk more about this, really specific idea, but I really think who covers it the best is Alex Cooper, who, if you don't know, runs Call Her Daddy, really good podcast, one of my favorites. And her the episode that I'm referencing is called SOS, I'm Burnt Out on Life. And this explains the specific psychological impacts on women much better because it has an expert's opinion included. And You know, that kind of got me started thinking about, it really talks about the women part of it. Um, And so I think that really kind of inspired me a little bit to talk about that topic on this episode. Um, But I do think she covers the female part a lot better. And I'm also in the middle of listening to um, a recent episode she just released where she also has an expert that's like, it's talking a lot about the patriarchy. It's called How Does Patriarchy Affect Me? And I haven't finished it yet, but I love it. I think it's super interesting. And it is a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about here, mostly in terms of like why women are so eager to look productive kind of sort of because of the uh, unfairness that they've had against men for so long. Um, so I would totally, if you're into this part, like I would totally check out those two episodes because It is super interesting and does a little bit of a better job than I can. So that's why I didn't really want to dive into all this just because I felt like I would almost be copying that episode, but just not doing it as well because, you know, Alex Cooper has an expert with her and she's also a pro podcaster Mm -hmm. who I'm trying to be for real. So yeah, that is kind of the conclusion of how um, the trend really harms women so now as i'm rounding this episode to a close i just wanted to say again these are my opinions so please take it with a grain of salt i i mean a lot of it was evidence-based but it's also probably a majority opinion so don't take everything i say to heart i'm just doing my best and going off of my personal experiences especially with this trend and how it is kind of taken over my life in certain ways and how that is a negative thing. And I feel like it, that it affects a lot of other people in that sense too. And so this episode just functions as a way to tell people that it's okay. If you're not getting up at 5.00 AM, if you're not extremely productive every single day of the week, if you're not eating healthy every single day of the week. If you want to go out with your friends and have a good time, uh, you know, a couple days a week or all of the days in the week. Like it's okay. And again, balance is key. I'm not the first person to say that, but I'm going to fucking reiterate it. Okay. Yeah. I really, I hope I could help someone out there who has almost been taken advantage of by the system. And again, I really appreciate all the support on this podcast. I, I genuinely thought no one would listen to it. So that's why I'm really proud of this episode, because I feel like this is my best work and the full capabilities of what I can do. I had a lot of fun, you know, writing down all my opinions and researching stuff. I learned a ton and it opened my mind to a lot of new things, more than what I had intended on when I first started, you know, developing my opinion on this topic. So I really think that's a cool thing. And I, that was, you know, that's my goals for this podcast is improve my own like intellectual box and go past the boundaries of that box. Because I really think that that's something we should always try to be doing. Always try to be learning new things. And because that just leads us to creating more diverse perspectives and opinions. And that's the key to a really diverse society, not just the physical features, but our opinions and our brains and our ability to listen to others and talk to others about, you know, difficult things because, you know, it's inevitable. So, um, again, thank you for all the love and support. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you again for listening and I will see you next time. Bye guys.